make the right steps in the right direction, but get advice from people who either have done it before you, have got a decent portfolio. You know, we're not just talking to your neighbours at the barbecue who are going to give you misguided information because they've read a headline and decided to, you know, make a negative blanket statement over an entire city. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. This episode is sponsored by our brand new one-day training, The Game Changer Mastermind. Years come and go and dreams of making significant changes to your income with renovating can fade if you don't breathe life into them. A new year is always an opportunity to take stock and start with renewed energy and focus. Now we are into a new decade, so let's change the game completely. If 2020 marks the line in the sand for you to transform your working life or your retirement with renovating, this event is for you. Okay, hello everyone, it's Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates. And today I have my casual co-host, Joe Vidello from Property Women and Advocate Property Services. We're going to be talking about how women's attempts to build wealth through property can be sabotaged. The things that really undermine their efforts to get ahead in the world. So welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. Always love being on She Renovates. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We love having you. Yeah, so what do you think about this? Interesting topic and one I see repeat itself time and time again, the conversations I have and the face plant. <laughs> Here we go again on this. And, you know, I'd suggest part of my role, you know, as a buyer's agent or as a property mentor is I'm talking people out of their own stuff, you know, their own money mindset issues the burdens that they carry with them from childhood about their attitude towards buying things. Maybe they need to be have their purchases validated by, the you know, a sea of six people, you know, their nearest and dearest partners and friendships and parents and instead of just making a decision and having faith in their own decision-making skills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I see that come up quite a lot. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I suggested this topic because I had a meeting with someone this last week and I thought oh my god it's come up again and this is a woman who has been investing for many years is now in her late 60s and she's got a portfolio of properties that are rubbish and I see it a lot like it's not the first so she's done the right thing and bought property but has relied on others for her advice and hasn't actually probably two things about that relied on others for advice which is fine if the person that's advising you has integrity and knows what they're doing but the second thing is has no strategy basically and what's happened is she has inadvertently ended up in a negatively negative gearing strategy and not realized it i hate hearing these stories I, i i think everyone Everyone has either has either had one of those properties in their portfolio or has had or knows someone who's got them. <laughs> so yeah. well, if it was yeah. only one, it would be okay. But that's devastating when you get that. 
point in your life. You know, I just was really looking because it's not the first time. Like this is a regular occurrence, maybe not to that degree, but people, in my case, women who have been actively investing and are in a position where they've not achieved the outcome yeah. that they're after. Yeah, I understand. And the one thing I noticed with some investors, even though they've, they've got a, a, an adequate amount of education behind them, they might look to other people's successes and try and replicate, replicate that. And what happens is they go and say, well, my sister did this four years ago and that worked out well for her. And then they'll buy into the same strategy. But four years ago was before a market took off or there was not an oversupply or et cetera, et cetera. So they're replicating a, a ship that's already left. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that in itself is a really big mistake. Another big mistake would be that perhaps they've got no interest in doing a development, but then they, again, they know someone who was successful. So they get themselves into a, a property investment that doesn't suit their risk profile, their budget, their abilities, and they're trying to make something work, but they're not looking at themselves properly in the mirror and going, what is it that I need? What's going to suit my stage of life? Exactly. You know, if you're pregnant with twins, perhaps think about what you're about to embark on. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing if you're very busy, if, you know, work's really full on and, you know, you've got a house full of kids and it's just hard to balance everything, be kind to yourself and make sure your strategy matches you and your phase of life as well as it stands in today's market. And I hate to be always harping on about negative gearing, but because so many people get caught up in this net, that's one of the things with a lot of people get snared by the people that are selling off the plan and house and land packages that if they bought them in there when they're in their 20s and 30s, that they would be okay. But because they're buying them in their 50s and it's just an ordinary old house and land, there's no opportunity to crank up the cash flow or increase their equity in it by adding value. And yeah, and, and you know what? These people are extremely skilled at I'm talking about the people selling the properties yeah. at really hoodwinking their buyers. Yeah, and if you're looking at doing that sort of formula, be aware of what's around that area because your hectare could be the first of multiple hectares of land that are going to be sliced and diced over the next 30 years. And property investing is fun when you can make money in five years. You don't have to wait 30, exactly. you know. <laughs> exactly. So. You know, it's it's a perfectly valuable formula to have in your portfolio, but be aware of where it is. You can do the house and land formula, but sometimes you can do it closer to a capital city because a, a block of land's become available. So you don't have to buy into these big organizations that put a big room, you know, on and a big sell, sell, sell formula. You can, you can, and also I'm a big fan of the diversifying your portfolio as well. Absolutely. Well, yeah. you're in one basket and not always the same strategy as well. So, you know. Yeah. I think the message out of this little section is to, well, the first one to, we keep harping on about this, but to get educated. Yes. And then the next one is to have a strategy or develop a strategy that actually takes your personal circumstances into account. Yeah. And don't borrow it from someone else because it, it just won't do. It's like borrowing your partner's medication, you know, that's been prescribed <laughs> for them. And, yeah, it's, it's a similar thing, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I 100% agree. I've also noticed that women tend to sabotage themselves. As I mentioned before, having lacking sometimes confidence in their themselves 
you know, they've done the research, they're confident, they're almost there, and then they'll go and ask someone who's got zero understanding of their opinion and that person's opinion (laughs) clashes with where they're at mentally and all of a sudden the insecurity flares up and they miss out on buying amazing deals as a result of that. So that is another one I find that happens. And, yeah, and it's it is it's frustrating because, I mean, like a lot of amazing deals come across my desk. I get access to a lot of off-market opportunities. I'll look at them. I've got a really strong philosophy that if I wouldn't be willing to put my own money in, into a deal, I wouldn't be promoting it to anybody else in a heartbeat. But to not um, not to the point where I think you should overanalyze so heavily that you, you wind up talking yourself out of a deal. Yeah, you know, exactly. like it's um, have have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in you know if you've been looking and researching an area or a certain formula or a strategy. Make the right steps in the right direction, but get advice from people who either have done it before you, have got a decent portfolio. You know, we're not just talking to your neighbours at the barbecue who are going to give you misguided information because they've read a headline and decided to, you know, make a negative blanket statement over an entire city. Exactly. I completely agree with that. The next thing I want to talk about, and this is something, once again, I see this quite often, is... And it's not really just women, it's parents in general being bled dry by their young adult children. Yeah. And my experience has been it's the people that can least afford it that are paying the most. Tell me a bit more about that, Bernadette, because that's a stage of life that you're probably more familiar with than myself. Okay, well, I'm not telling from experience because our kids are great. but And, and I'm not saying these children aren't, but... I I know of a lot of families where there will be at least one adult at home working full-time, paying little or no board, not contributing to the family income as well and can be like I've heard of people into their 30s still living at home and not paying their way. Now, I personally think that that is, it's not only doing a disservice to the parents but it's also it's doing a disservice to the child because if you don't you know and I think there's a guilt thing that comes in you know I want to there's some sort of sense of you should be doing this for your child and paying all their sort of living costs and basically giving them what they want when they can easily do that themselves so you're you're talking about children who've got more disposable cash and then the parents, the one that's, you know, putting the bill of their lifestyle. So, yeah. And I think if that's your circumstance, I mean, I've often thought if you're, you've got the means as a parent, now I'm not a parent of my, my children's still primary school age. So, but if you're financially in a position, you don't actually have to ask for the money, perhaps get your child into a habit of saving or putting away a percentage of their income. And even if they don't know you're doing it, Put it in a term deposit or put it into account they're unaware of, but get them used to not having 100% of their income to play with. You know, I think that's yeah. do them that service or to get them into the market. And I know there's a lot of discussion over first home buyers and how how difficult it is for people to to break into the market, especially in capital cities. But don't lose sight. Your first purchase doesn't have to even be the, your home. I know that there's government grants that make it, you have to live in it, but perhaps that's false economy. Maybe you're better off investing into something and then just making that choice and then renting where you want to be at. But as a parent, I know with certain loans and certain lenders, you can be a guarantor or you can 
you, there is different ways that you can help your adult child get onto that property ladder sooner as well. Yeah. Well, I guess I always see it from the parents' point of view when they, because we work with the parents because they're trying to get prepared for their retirement and they're having all this money draining out, yeah. keeping a house full of, of young adults who could be paying their own way and yeah. aren't. And then at that point in time, it's such a massive wrench to actually have to ask them to contribute. I just think it's a crying shame. And to be honest with you, I believe that they need to be paying their own way because otherwise they're going to make horrible housemates. That, <laughs> you know, if they're not used to taking responsibility for themselves, what's going to happen when they move out? No, I'd 100% agree with that. So it's a service you're trying to provide as a parent, but you're actually doing a disservice to your exactly. child. So the message there is if you've got children who are in their late teens, early 20s and starting to work, I think now's the time to say, even if it's 50 bucks a week, $100 a week, yeah, that start to pave that way. Yeah. We always had a rule in our house that they lived at home, rent aboard, rent free until they had a full time job until till they finished their uni, yes. and then if they if they stayed at home, that's usually a pretty good incentive to move out. Not yes. that I wanted them to move out, but if they stayed at home, then then they would have had to have paid board. And I was never really one on giving pocket money either. I used to think that that's really just bringing them up to expect handouts. As a result, I think we've brought up kids that can manage their money and really grateful for what they've got. And mm. I just love that. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a, when it comes to pocket money, I'm a little hit and miss. You know, I, oh, I, want, the way the, to be. <laughs> I want the kids to earn it. I don't think it should be a handout. Or I'll ask them to like put the bins out and like, well, what do I get for it? And I'm like, you've been collected like <laughs> you know what else do you want for it I mean yeah and I've caught out Greg my husband before giving the kids significant like I mean I say significant like it's five dollars for that I mean when they go and flip burgers for 14 or 15 dollars an hour they're going to be mortified yeah. <laughs> you know so it's about from a young age teaching them to be money savvy and to start putting their money aside and earn it if you know if, if, and there's chores they shouldn't get paid money to make their own bed no, <laughs> you know? I, I absolutely yeah. agree yeah. yeah so um it is and it's it's on us and I sometimes I I, I really, I know I, now talking about it, I, I've got to pick up my game, you know, because I want these children to be really financially literate beings when they, when they leave the nest. And I do want my kids to be able to buy into the property market and to understand salary sacrificing of, you know, it's not always, I mean, as lovely as it would be to holiday throughout your entire 20s and have lovely cars and nice watches and whatever else. But, you know, this that's the time when you really should be making some really smart buying decisions as well. Exactly. Yeah, well, um, oh, when they get to that age, you'll have to come over to the School of Renovating and do an avocado, avocado <laughs> with them. <laughs> I'd love to. So that's it for this episode. If you haven't already done so, please go over to iTunes and leave us a review so that we can share the love because that's how people find out about the podcast. And also, we have a free Facebook group called She Renovates, and you are welcome to come over and join that too. And if you do, share what your retirement plans are. Have you got any retirement projects that you're working on? We'd love to hear about them. This is the She Renovates podcast. 
To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.